1: Hello again, I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest has a mechanical engineering degree from MIT. I I don't have it from MIT, but I also have a mechanical engineering degree, so near and dear to my heart. Served in the United States Navy as an officer Okay, we're not going to get into the Navy Army thing today, but you know, the service is what's important. And as an MBA in finance and management from NYU Stern, he was a corporate executive, uh, does work with nonprofits, real estate investor, board member, and now an entrepreneur. He's known as the business growth pro and CFO. He empowers business owners to maximize the value of their companies by growing revenue, increasing profitability, and obtaining finance. Uh, That's something we could use in small business. His expertise enables him to take a holistic perspective and provide more optimal solutions for clients. His book, Running Your Small Business Like a Pro, helps people increase the likelihood and magnitude of their success in business. He created the Masterpreneur Playbook, a proven five-step business growth plan, and produces power breakfasts, events in Northern New Jersey. He did this for 10 years, generating over $10 million in economic impact and financing for over a thousand people. He recently founded the online Small Business Pro University, to provide entrepreneurs with access to best practices and useful knowledge for running their businesses more professionally. In short, it's all about improving results in small business. So please welcome today, Andrew Frazier. How
0: are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great, Dr. Gary. Thanks for having me today.
1: I'm, I'm excited about having you, but let's let's start from the beginning. I always like to start with the beginning. So talk a little bit about what your past is and how you've gotten to where you are today.
0: Okay, no, that's great. And you know, it's kind of interesting. So sometimes you go back to the beginning in the end. And yeah. you know, I work with small businesses now. And actually my first business was started in fourth grade. I wow. was a paper boy in Pittsburgh, PA, home of the Steelers. And my brother and I happened upon getting a paper out that we did for five years. And we're able to expand it. And we actually were able to expand it into a snow shoveling business also because we knew everybody and we got enough business that we could hire our friends to help.
1: Yeah, so your, your, first, your first venture, I was a paper boy too, by the way, I, this is very exciting. What I remember the most about it was collecting. Yep. <laughs> that was the hard <laughs> part, right? Every week walking door to door on Friday afternoon, asking for your, I think it was like a dollar and a quarter or something like that for the uh, paper for the week. But you went, you went a step further. This is where the entrepreneurial part really comes in. You looked at the relationships that you had in the paper route and turned it into a snow shoveling business. How did you come up with that
0: idea? Well, actually, it was easy because we'd be delivering papers and there would be snow on the ground. People would be like, oh, I need somebody to shovel my snow. And hey, I know you. Can you hook me up? Uh, you know, Just sort of like a lot of business opportunities, your business evolves Mm-hmm. Over time, based on the needs of the market.
1: That's that's awesome. So, you went on to college, you got your mechanical engineering degree from a, a little known college, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, I believe it is, MIT. I, I've heard of that school. And then you went to the Navy. Did you have an ROTC scholarship or did you just uh, join the Navy? How did, how did that all happen?
0: Actually, it was great. I, I won a Navy ROTC scholarship coming out of high school. So, they actually covered my tuition, which was great because at that time, MIT was the most expensive school in the country. But not only that, the experience of ROTC, doing things, I learned how to sail. I, you know, learned leadership. The military is a great place to to learn and develop valuable skills.
1: What are some of the things that going back to your military service? And I, I man, I've got stories after stories about some of my sergeants that taught me amazing things, like Sergeant McCant that taught me to keep my mouth shut. As I remember what are some of the things that you use today in your work that you learned when you were in the military
0: well you know one of the big things about being an officer is you come and you're the boss of people right out of school where you may have never had people working for you not only that you got people who have been in the navy 5 10 20 years working for you so you have to develop a credibility and learn how to work effectively with them and that's not an easy thing for many people but once you learn how to do that you can work with anyone and you can you can lead in any area so that was extremely valuable being able to do that and going to one of the reasons i went to mit was because i didn't have to take any writing classes so i had a boss that was great And, you know, he was really good, you know, we spent a lot of time, he mentored me, and he was a really good writer. And he also was really good and took the time in communications, but also in reviews. And that's one thing I've taken with me is, you know, whenever I have someone working with me or working for me, you know, I take the time to make sure their review is really quality or, you know, when I write recommendations for people, I... You know, take the time because it's it's valuable and it's worth it and it's a great skill.
1: So let's go back for a second when you talked about, you know, come right out of college, you put those Ensign bars on and you're now, quote unquote, the boss. OK, but you said an important thing. You said you have to work efficiently, and effectively with these people and you have to build credibility. How did you do that? How do you build credibility?
0: Um, one of the key things is you have to demonstrate you understand the job and what they do, and that you're willing to learn and listen. People work, you know, people tend to meet you where you are. And if you meet them where they are, it works out a lot better because most people want to do a great job. It's just a question of helping to figure out how that works. And as you as the business owner or you as the boss, if that relationship doesn't work, it's really your fault, not theirs. Yeah.
1: So talk a little bit about the first couple of months you were in the Navy and, and you're trying to build this credibility. Obviously, you were so you talked about listening. Can you think back on a story that just kind of sticks in your mind in your early days that helped you really become hyper aware of the need to do this?
0: Well, one of the key things is in the military, there's a chain of command. Mm-hmm. And you know, understanding how you work through other people. And being able to, you know, know who you talk to about what and how to do that and let them be leaders in their own right. You know, the best leader you can be is a leader that lets other people lead.
1: Mm. Yeah. So who was your first chief?
0: Actually, I was on a small ship. So I had a first class, okay. SH, ship serviceman, first class. And, you know, he, he was great, but he was tough at first. <laughs> you know, Gave me a hard time. But, uh, but eventually... How, how did
1: he do that? What did he do to you that it was a hard time?
0: Well, number one, he would, you know, do you really want to do that? Or ask you...
1: <laughs> <laughs> did, he, did he really want to do that, sir?
0: Sir. You know, yes, right. Sir. You know. But and, it was
1: with a little edge to this, sir, always. Right. Really, sir? Um, you want to do that? Yeah, uh,
0: a little edge. Also, I was more active than the officer that I replaced because the officer I replaced was ready to leave. So he sort of let people do what they wanted. Mm. So I had to rein them in, rein people in a little bit. And really, you know, we went from being one of the lower rated supply departments in our squadron of 17 ships to the number one rated supply department in our squadron. So to do that, you know, sometimes you got to do some things differently. And you know, I think, you know, I had to have a few run-ins and was able to help the my first class understand that we, we need to work together and how I wanted us to work together and let him understand how we're going to work together and let him lead, but lead in a certain way that we're on the same page.
1: Yeah. So setting the boundaries, expectations, goals, policies, procedures needed to be followed because people get a little lazy with that stuff. And that's why they weren't doing so well. Right.
0: Yep. And, and also, you know, what they used to say in the Marines is, um, you know, after a certain age, people only learn based on a significant emotional experience because that's why they go around yelling at everybody, and and you know sometimes you have to you have to do that when you're working with grown people because otherwise they may not take you seriously. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you got to you got to show that passion for wanting to get the right thing done, right? However yes. you do it, yeah. Because I've I've seen people do it by yelling. I've also seen people doing it with a quiet but stern communication style, and people know that you're not kidding around,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So let's let's move forward now. You you spent four or five years in the Navy? Yes. And then what? Where did you
0: go? I actually went to work for a private company that a lot of junior officers go to work for called McMaster Car Supply Company. Mm-hmm. And great company. They're, you know, one of the top companies in their field and just really learned a lot about operations, processes. I was a manager in the warehouse where My department shipped 8,000 orders a day Mm -hmm. and we were the biggest customer of UPS worldwide at that time.
1: And so with that number, you had to have policies and procedures and approaches and, and consistent behavior from people. Otherwise, you're going to mess that up, right?
0: Yes. Very structured. We use systems in a really great way to keep it structured. It's almost like probably a little bit like what Amazon is now. but. 20 plus years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. We have another thing in common. I uh, was the department head at Scott Paper Company, the largest tissue producing plant in the world. A 52 acres, materials handling department, 84 people running around the plant, moving paper rolls and materials and equipment and chemicals and everything else that was needed. And when I started, they were causing paper machines to go down every week because they weren't getting stuff delivered on time and when a paper machine goes down it costs three thousand dollars a minute and when a paper machine goes down because it's a process it would be down for at least an hour so do the math that was happening every week <laughs> so I, I I feel I feel you you know when you've got that many moving parts you really can't manage it you've got to lead it and those people have to do the job because they're making decisions every minute right? So I'm guessing going into that, did you find it a challenge moving from the military culture to a corporate culture?
0: Yes. I mean, there's, there's always a challenge because, you know, you, you can't get people to do things in the normal culture that you can, in the same way you can do in the military culture. So leadership is even more important. But one thing that I took from the, Military that I think is huge is training, you know, by doing training, it really makes all the difference in the world because people know what's expected of them. You build trust because they know what they need to do to do their job. Well, I know that they know what they need to do their job so I can be comfortable and it makes them better and be able to build a career and mm-hmm. success because people want to learn. They want to move forward. They want to develop. But many times they don't have the opportunities because the leadership's really not doing them justice in that area. So
1: let's go back to that. You, you take over this department. You, you change cultures from the military to corporate. How did you go about making that shift for you and then developing the relationships with the people that, again, it was completely new to you? You didn't know these
0: people. Well, One of the things I would do, I always like to build relationships because everything's about relationships. You know, there's a book where they talked about you should never, you should eat lunch with someone different every day.
1: Never eat alone.
0: That's right. Yep. So I would do that. I would come early. I would stay late. Uh, I would spend time with my team members because the most valuable thing is, you know, build relationships with your team because they're the ones that are going to support you and make you look good and be successful.
1: So what I'm hearing is in building those relationships, you spend a lot of time with them. You'd go out on the floor, you'd walk around, have the conversations. You know, in the old days, they called it MBWA. You remember that? Management by wandering around or walking around, however you want to. I actually add to that. I tell people, you know, you never manage by wandering around without a purpose. You manage, it's MBWA with a purpose. So what are you going out on the floor for? What are you going out to your store? What's the purpose? And if you have a purpose, you can engage people in that. And as leaders, help them. So, all right. So then, then what? Let's try to bring us up to present day. What okay. you got? So you went through some uh, other positions, right?
0: I did that for a few years, and actually left to go to business school because I wanted to really move towards business and hadn't really been formally educated in business. So I went to NYU, which was a great experience and focused on finance and also general management that really gave me the background to move into the investments arena
1: now you didn't by any chance use your GI Bill did you no I did not oh I don't think I had one sure you did yeah you did Uh, but it only lasts for 10 years you got to use it within 10 years of uh, getting out of the military but uh, I don't know, maybe you're younger than I am. Maybe you didn't have a GI Bill and invest in it because right. they changed well, that all those rules after a while. And you're much younger than I am, so.
0: <laughs> maybe, but, you know, I, I did get a fellowship, so I can't really complain. Oh, there you
1: go. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew it. With a top performer, <laughs> like you had to figure out a way to get somebody else to pay for it. That's I love it, I love it. So you, you got your MBA and then and then what?
0: I left, I had an opportunity to go work for the New York Life Insurance Company, which, Mm. you know, Fortune 100 company that had over $80 billion in assets under management and really wanted to learn about investments and finance. And that was a great place because they had all the money and they invested in everything. Mm. So, you know, I had an opportunity to go there. I worked in mergers and acquisitions. I worked in financial management. I worked for the chief investment officer. And while I was there, I also got my CFA, which is, you know, like a CPA, but for investment managers, and a very challenging designation to get.
1: And you're now leveraging that with your business now. As I said in the introduction, you're known as the business growth pro and CFO. So how did you take all that experience and what you're doing with clients now to help them manage and lead their businesses better?
0: Well, I think that, you know, the sum of your experiences. So mm-hmm. I bring everything from being a paper boy to what I did yesterday. To, to bear for my clients, but I think having the financial knowledge and expertise is key because many people don't have that and they they can't help business owners fully the way they need to be helped. And yeah, at the end of the day, if you don't understand your numbers in your business, you don't even understand how your business works. You could have been in your business for 20 years. In 10 minutes, I could tell you things about your business that you don't even know. Yeah. so you know that's one of the things I impart I'm, I'm that sometimes I could I could be considered like a financial evangelist for a small business because <laughs> it's that important
1: yeah I can remember doing some coaching with a, a department head at one of my clients and walking in his office and asking for his p and l And he said something about it's around here somewhere you know, like that's that's a bad indication right there right and uh the the because the, they had limited systems at the time the Ls that they had were like three and four months old those are the most recent ones right so, so to your point sometimes not having the systems in place to give you the information that you need in a timely manner really can hurt a business oh
0: right? definitely
1: so what are you doing now how are you helping these small businesses running a small business like a pro what what do you what do you do what's
0: well, there's, there's a few things. You know, my business is, has been coaching, consulting, and training for entrepreneurs and business owners, primarily working with the, the owner, really helping to develop them and empower them to run their business more professionally and create a sustainable business that can run without them. So, so what does that mean? You know, it means that you have to continually evolve and grow as a business owner or your business is gonna get stuck because it's never gonna go further than you're prepared to take it. So, you know, having been in pretty much every level and many different roles at many different organizations, you know, I can help them to make the transition and fill in the gaps and guide them on the path that they need to go and Actually, that led to me creating the Small Business Pro Methodology and recently evolved into the Masterpreneur Playbook, which is like the five steps that you need to go through to create that sustainable business over time.
1: Can you tell me those? Yeah, tell me those five steps because I got some questions about this because I I get the sense that as... You know, having an engineering degree, and a lot of us engineers do get into this, and then having a financial degree, that your approach to this is to work with them on their finances. But eventually, you've got to get into, if you're going to help them create a sustainable business that they can run without them, you've got to get
0: into leadership. Actually, it's all leadership. Everything is called okay. businesses is in leadership. Finances is just a tool. Okay. Um, but it's a tool you have to have in your tool belt, and most of them don't have it. Or don't have it sufficiently. But everything I do is about leadership. You know, from you know step one, you're starting out, you got to work on the concept of your business. Step two, once you have a concept and you get started, you start working in your business. So you're like an employee or supervisor and you're working on the day-to-day, maybe week-to-week if you're a supervisor. But you have to evolve beyond that. Because if not, your business will never grow beyond a certain point. And most businesses, that's where they get stuck. Less than 5% of businesses make it from working in their business to being able to work on their business, step three, successfully. And why is that? Number one, because you have to use numbers and understand your finances. Because in step three, you're at the manager level. And what managers do is they continually improve the business. So it's not, it's a longer term focus, and you can't improve anything if you don't measure it. And a lot of business owners never get to that.
1: Oh, that's where the engineering comes in. I'm telling you, this is, I love this because this is just what I talk about. It's like, if you can't define and measure the process, then you can't improve the process, right? Because you, you don't know how you're improving it. You're just slapping stuff up on the wall. So I love this. This is great. So I'm sorry, I had to jump in there. Go okay. ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, if you if you don't measure stuff, you're, you're really just winging it. So once you've been able to do that, then you can optimize your business. You can create capacity. You create your policies and procedures and processes and systems. And once you do that, then you become scalable. So the next step is you're going from manager to being a leader of managers and where you're working on the future of your business. So you're spending most of your time planning, You know, developing your budgets, developing your strategic plan, developing your marketing plans, you know, at that level, your business should run pretty much without you and you're spending mostly all your time putting in together your growth plan and putting together the organization, the team, the capital, everything you need to do that. So, And then step five is working on scaling your business. And really, that's where you really become the CEO, where you're internal, external focused, and you're focused on growing quickly. But you have to complete each step to be able to move on to the next step. So really, this lays out the playbook. If you want to create a sustainable business that can run without you, this is how you do it. And you can't skip any of those steps. And every step you have to evolve yourself because you have a different role. You need different skills. You need different abilities. Most people in their career, they may go from one step to the next. Many people never, ever make it above being an employee to being a supervisor. Or if they make supervisor, they never become a manager. Most managers never become an executive. And most executives never become a CEO. But as a small business owner, to make it, You have to make all those transitions and it's not easy. And you know, what I do is I coach people through it. And you know, one of the biggest things is helping, you know, it's big on self-awareness. It's big on leadership. And first you have to lead yourself and own it. So that's really what I do is I help people be able to make those transitions. It's just the finance is key because you can't move forward if you can't measure what's going on, and it's about making good decisions, and the more and better info you have, the better decisions you can make, and that's right. what it's all about.
1: So let me, let me see if uh, I want to make sure that we got the five steps. If you would just go down those five steps, one, okay. two, three, four, five, because I've got concept of the business.
0: Okay, so working on the concept of the, your business, working in the business, working On the business working on the future of the business and then working on scaling the business
1: okay great i just want to make sure that we get that clearly stated that's that's awesome and then you you align that with what traditionally people see as the roles they're playing from individual contributor to supervisor manager executive and ceo yes and most companies get stuck in steps one and two they kind of know what they want. We call, it, you know, the mission and values. They know they got. They kind of know what they're doing with clients or whatever, and they're doing the day to day to the week to week. But eighty-five to ninety-five percent of all businesses don't get beyond that because they don't understand what's necessary from both a visionary and a concept standpoint and a role standpoint to adjust skills in order to be able to get to the point where you're managing processes and people and things. Uh, that work your way up at the chain of command, so to speak, at least conceptually, to become the CEO of your company.
0: Right. And, you know, it's difficult also because, you know, as a business owner, people don't tell you a lot of things. Mm. So, you know, you could be the manager, but you could be a terrible manager. So, you know, and if nobody's telling you and you believe you're doing a good job, but if you're not, you're going to get stuck and your business isn't going to move forward. So, you know, sometimes I have to tell people things that they don't want to hear, but it it helps them.
1: We all get to do that in consulting. (laughs) That's that's part of the fun of the game. I mean, as I always say, you know, to your point with this bad manager, I get rid of bad bosses, Mm -hmm. but most people aren't bad bosses because they want to be bad bosses. They're bad bosses because they've never been developed to being a good boss and a great leader. And it's about you said it earlier. Going up this chain from individual contributor to CEO is all about skills. It's about developing more people leadership and management skills to be able to expand your business and grow your business. And you you help coach everybody along the way on that. So that's that's great. I, I love the simplicity of the model. That that is very helpful. A lot of business I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs could relate to this kind of get a self-assessment of where they are as supervisor or manager or wherever they are in their business
0: development and then call you so they can get to the next level. Right, right. No, definitely that. And, and, And one thing I try and do to make it easier because it's really about what you spend most of your time doing. So, you know, when you look at the skills of each level, you're actually at the level based on what you spend most of your time doing. So you could be the manager, but if you're doing employee tasks most of the time, you're really the employee.
1: So what you're saying is don't confuse the title with the accomplishment of what you're doing.
0: Correct. Yeah,
1: because what I'm accomplishing is going to determine actually what role I'm playing, not what my title is. I could be the CEO of the company, but working as an individual contributor.
0: Correct. But if you're doing that, nobody's going to rise above you. So that means there is no manager at your company. That means you have no management. And so helping to understand that you got to push everything you can down so you can rise and so that the whole organization can rise. And and that's the military. You know, you delegate down and you give people responsibility and you let them grow and develop and, so that you can focus on the most valuable stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I love the combination of all this because as you talked about your history, and I always like to talk about the history from paper boy and snow shoveling entrepreneur through getting an engineering degree, the Navy, working for a large company with New York Life, I think it was, is that right? Yes. And then developing this model to help small businesses. This is a great path and I really appreciate it. So I'm going to ask you the last question I always ask people in my podcasts. The question is this, if you could write yourself a letter and send it back to Andrew 25 or 30 years ago, what advice would you give yourself?
0: I think what I would say is, should have gone into business sooner. Uh, because yeah. um, I think...
1: Now, going into business, you mean going
0: into your own business sooner? Into my own business sooner. I've been doing this for 12 years, but you know, I started at an older age, so I had less time to really devote to it and you learn so much as a business owner. And as you know, it's great experience. It's doing, it, you have the best job you could ever have. That's awesome.
1: Is there any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with us today, uh, Andrew?
0: Well, my, my motto is the more you know, the faster you grow. So it's all about learning and developing. That's what's gonna make you a better leader and more successful not just in business, but in life.
1: That's great. The more you know, the more you grow. I like it. I like it. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for being our guest today. I really appreciate the wisdom, the ideas, the experience. Thanks for your service. I do have a a special warm place in my heart for all those Navy guys out there. And the reason I do is because my four brothers, my father and my son, all served in the Navy. I was the only Army guy. And we have a total of 108 years of military service. So whenever I have a fellow military person on, I really appreciate the service. And it's near and dear to my heart that we get to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So thanks, Andrew.
0: Great. Thank you, too. Thanks for your service. And thanks for having me. This has been great. Thank you.
1: I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks again for joining us on Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care and be well.
0: Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com.